0: Well, I want to welcome you to this morning's service. Uh, it is, uh, it's is—it's a good day. It's a good day because it's Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, and we're glad to have you join us. Just a couple of things before we get into the message this morning. I just want to thank all of you all for your faithfulness uh, in giving, for uh, watching this streaming online, for uh, participating in all the various things that we're doing now to try to keep us connected as we go through this uh crazy, crazy time that we're living in. But again, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, Take an opportunity to invite folks to be a part of uh, our Sunday morning streaming. Uh, give them an invite, or uh, let your friends and family know through an email or a phone call. Uh, But uh, get the word out and share what's going on in your life, because we're apart right now, so we don't know what's happening with so many of you. So if there's an opportunity uh, for you to share some of the things that uh, uh, you were in the middle of in your life, uh, let us know, because we want to know. We're a family, and we need to know what's happening in our family. Amen. Uh, If anyone needs help out there, all you got to do is give us a holler. We uh, uh, are looking forward to the opportunity to serve those that uh, need us to shop for them, uh, run errands for them, uh, so that they can stay uh, uh, isolated and uh, away from this crazy virus. So if you know of anybody that needs assistance, let us know. We're going to have communion at the end of our service this morning. I feel like it is a a very fitting time to receive communion differently than we normally do because you're there and I'm here. And so, if you need a moment to go get some uh, juice and get some bread ready, you don't have to be specific about any of it. We just uh, know that there's more power in 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 the act of communion than there is in the symbolism of communion. So, uh, grab some juice and grab some bread and be ready at the end of the service to receive communion with us. Uh, We encourage you to do that. This morning, I want to take a moment just to uh, uh, enlist you and all of yours there where you're at to pray for some of those in our body. Uh, uh, Friday, Dan Pierce was taken to the hospital uh, having some difficulties, and we just want to lift him up. Matthew Ankeny uh, was uh, injured in a uh, tree-cutting accident. He he's, uh, smashed his hand pretty bad, had to have some stitches, and we just want to pray for him as well. We also want to make prayer for where we're at uh, as a nation, as a community, as individuals. Uh, We really want the Lord to intervene in this. Uh, As this pandemic goes forward, we know that the the only way really to stop it is with the help of the Lord. So would you pray with me this morning? Father, we just come before you. We thank you, Father God, for the amazing God that you are to us. And Lord, how much it is that you love us. Father, this morning we pray for Dan and we pray for Matthew, Father. We believe that you are the healer. and We believe that you are able, Father, to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask or think. You are the miracle-working God. And so this morning, Lord, we put them in your hands and we ask you, Father God, to bring healing to their bodies I pray, Father, specifically for Dan as he's in the hospital, Lord, I pray that you'll give the doctors and nurses wisdom, Lord God, as they treat him, and Father, I pray, Lord, that all the treatment that's ordered, Father, will be complete success, Lord God, in bringing his physical body, Lord, back to health. We pray, Father, for Matthew, Lord God, that the pain, Father, that uh, is incurred during this accident, Lord God, would just uh, be abated by your holy hand, Father. Bring healing, and Father, may he be healed in such a way, Lord God, that this accident, Lord God, causes no lasting uh, damage whatsoever. Lord, we just pray over our nation. We pray over this globe, literally, Lord God, as this this, uh, uh, virus is uh, rampaging through so many lives, Father. We pray for those in the hospital, Lord. We pray for the families that have been affected by uh, the deaths of loved ones, Father. We pray, Father God, for the, the, the personnel, Lord, that are involved in taking care of all the sick people in this place, Father. We just ask you, Lord, to give them supernatural strength and ability and wisdom. But Father, this morning, we pray for you to intervene, to give, Father God, your hand into this situation to literally stop this pandemic, Lord God because, Father, we believe for an intervention this morning that it doesn't have to run its course, but, Lord, literally you can just take this thing out to see in Jesus' name. And, Father, we pray because we know this, that there is power in prayer. So we ask and we believe, and, Father, therefore we receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, we want to take a minute just to give our worship team the opportunity to come and lead us in worship this morning. We thank them so much for their faithfulness, and and we just believe that this is an opportunity for us to just have a moment where we just worship the Lord. So join us.
1: Sing with me about our resurrected King. Head yeah, that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory. The Saviour man. Big to oh, oh. Oh The We thank you this morning that we can just come together and worship and that we can bless your name and we can celebrate the death and the resurrection of your son jesus christ that by his blood we can be saved amen
0: well again let me say thank you for joining us we're so glad to have you on this uh, amazing day it's uh, kind of odd that we're not together. I've never celebrated an Easter in my Christmas in my Christian life that uh, has not uh, been together with other believers. But uh, this morning we're believing through the power of the internet, through the power of the streaming that we we really are together. Uh, we're believing God just to be in the midst of uh, what we're doing here this morning and uh, we're believing for our incredible blessing just to go out to all of you father this morning we thank you for the opportunity to meet together even though father we're apart we know lord that this is a different easter than perhaps any of us have ever experienced but father we know this we know father where we are you are in the midst of our lives and so father we just commit this service into your hands Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to just just have a moment, Lord, where we reflect on your word and believe, Father God, that you are showing us and teaching us, Lord, something amazing through the power and life that is in this word. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, if you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, the title of my message this morning is Two Empty Promises of Easter. And I know we're familiar with one empty promise because of the empty tomb. But this morning, we're going to talk about two empty promises of Easter. So this is Matthew chapter 28, and I want to begin reading right at verse number 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But an angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay." And go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran, bring, ran to bring his disciples' word. This morning, this is the passage of Scripture that tells us that Jesus is indeed risen from the dead. We believe that he has risen, And one of the things that I love to do on Easter Sunday morning is I love to have a response from the crowd. Whenever I say, He is risen, people in the congregation would say, He is risen indeed. So this morning I'd like to practice it, even though you're there and I'm here. I can't hear you, but I'm believing for your participation. So I'm going to say it. He is risen, and you say, risen indeed. He is risen there you go. You got it. Let me read you a story about a young man from a very wealthy family that was about to graduate from high school, and it was his custom that this affluent neighborhood for his parents to give him a graduate automobile. So every graduate in this, in this neighborhood, because it was a very wealthy neighborhood, each and every one of them would get an automobile from their parents. Bill was his name, and his father had spent months looking into cars, the weeks before the graduation, and they found that perfect car. On the eve of his graduation, his father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. Bill was so angry that he threw the Bible down and he stormed out of the house. He and his father never saw each other again. It was, it was the news of his father's death that brought Bill home again. As he sat one night going through his father's possessions that he was to inherit, he came across the Bible that his father had given him, on the eve of his graduation. He brushed away the dust and he opened it to find a cashier's check dated the day of his graduation in the exact amount of the car that they had chosen together. As as I thought about this story, I couldn't help but wonder how many people in this world have done the same exact thing to God. Literally, they tossed aside a wonderful promise because they didn't understand it, or they didn't believe that it was possible. You see, in our world, we're taught, and my dad taught me this, he said, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Probably is too good to be true. And so many of us have been taken by empty promises Um, things that people tell us about products, so on and so forth, we've been taken by them. And so, rightly so, we're probably a lot of us that are very leery, if you would, about things that people tell us. Because we think, well, the world just simply doesn't work that way. But you know what? God works that way. God has never made a promise that was too good to be true. You see whenever you look into the word and you read the promises and there are literally thousands of promises in the book in, in in the Bible God makes all of these promises and some of them seems they're too good to be true but again God has never made a promise that's too good to be true. You see the truth of the matter is this The world's full of empty promises. You and I have probably been stung multiple times by empty promises. Whenever you watch TV, you see the advertisements that you can be happy, you can be sexy, you can be rich, you can be skinny, you can be uh, muscular, you can be famous. If you only purchase a certain product that they're selling you, well, we bought some face cream not very long ago that was supposed to take 10 years off of our age. I told Renee, I said, we got to keep this away from the kids because. Man, if Nora used it, she'd just disappear. (laughs) Never mind. I knew that joke wouldn't work. You see, it doesn't take long before you and I have been fooled enough times, the world's empty promises, that we begin to doubt promise. We begin to doubt the things the world tells us. But again, I want to reiterate this. God is different. Instead of promises that are full of emptiness like the world makes god gives us emptiness that's full of pomp that's full of promise this morning i'd like to take a moment and think about the easter promises there are two of them as i said earlier each promise is marked by something that's empty an empty cross and an empty tomb it's the very fact that each one of these are empty that assures us of God's promises, and they are real. Because they couldn't hold Jesus, because they couldn't keep uh, uh, him contained on the cross or contained in the tomb or even contained inside of his burial clothes, that you and I can be sure of the fullness of God's promises in our own lives. So this morning, let's start with this, the empty cross. Let's let's take a moment and talk about the empty cross because you see so many replicas of a cross with Jesus hanging on them, and just make, make sure that you know that Jesus is no longer on the cross. But because of this empty cross, because it's empty, we have the promise of forgiveness of sins. You see, for the next few minutes, you and I are going to have to, if you would, see with our minds, not so much with our eyes, but with our minds. We need to imagine what it must have been like for these ladies as they experienced these things on Easter Sunday morning. So let's go back, if we can, to that first Easter morning, and it's dawn. The sun is just beginning to rise. And a few of Jesus' followers, these women, they were on their way to the tomb, and it's this tomb where Jesus is buried. They've been, they've been walking now for quite a period of time, perhaps maybe up to a half hour. And I have an idea that the conversation between these women was really subdued because, you see, the assignment that they were on was a sad assignment. They were going to go and anoint Jesus' body, Jesus, this miracle worker, this man that loved them, this man that they had spent their their last three years of their lives with, this Jesus is now dead, and they're on their way to anoint his body. You see, but as they came to the top of a little rise on their path, they all stopped. Now, with your minds, just put yourself where they were. They stopped. They were probably motionless. They were quiet. And there in the distance, just outside the city limits, was this very gruesome reminder of the events that had transpired just a few days prior. Do you see it? Remember, I said, look with your mind, not your eyes. Over there, silhouetted by the glow of this pink sky as the sun was barely beginning to rise, on the top of a hill that the locals called Galgatha or the skull, there's three crosses. All three crosses empty. But think about this. Yesterday was the Sabbath, so nobody removed the crosses. So there they stand, an empty reminder literally of the horror that took place there on Friday. The one in the middle is the one that I want to draw your attention to. That's the one that I need you to see because that's the one that Jesus hung on. We need to take a close look at it. Look at the top of it. You see, there, there are blood stains from the crown of thorns that was crushed into Jesus' head. And the stains on the end of the crossbar, they came from the nails that were driven into his hands and the main beam there completely soaked with blood, blood from his back where he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. The Roman soldiers had beat him so inhumanely on his way to the cross. And now that blood stains the cross. On the ground there just under the cross, it has stains of blood. Stains of blood that were poured out from the side whenever Jesus was stabbed with a spear. Ran through with a spear just to make sure he was dead. And this is one thing that we have to remember. He was indeed dead. Don't ever believe if anyone tells you that he was just faking it. There was no question Jesus was dead. You see, I believe the Roman soldiers knew he was dead. The Romans themselves, as a population of people, knew he was dead, and the Jews knew he was dead. Jesus really did die, and that's why I want you to see the cross this morning, the cross there in the middle of that hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. It's that place where he died, but today... That place, that, that spot that he had taken on the cross is empty. It's empty of Jesus' body. But know this, it's full of God's promises. It's full of God's promises. It's full of hope. And that hope is for being you. The promise of the empty cross is that you and I can stand completely and totally forgiven before God, because it was on that cross that Jesus paid the penalty for you and I sins. You and I sins. Understand this: that sin has become a very unpopular word in our culture today. It's a word that uh, isn't really politically correct, but the simple fact of the matter is. We have all sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. Every one of us has sinned. And to be very honest with you this morning, if any, if any of you are like me, I've sinned a lot. For heaven's sake, I've lost count on how many times I've sinned. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody's sinned. Every last person on this planet today has sinned see the only person that's ever lived a sinless life is Jesus himself. Everyone else has failed. So here's the problem. because you see, whenever we look at the empty cross, we run into a problem. Whenever we talk about every one of us sinning, we run into another problem because this is what it says in Romans 6:23. It says, the wages of sin. In other words, what we earn whenever we sin, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Ezekiel 8.20, this is what it says. It says, the soul who sins shall die. So here we have two scriptures in the Bible that tell us that sin equals death, that if we sin, it brings on death, an inevitable death. Because we've sinned, this is the problem. We deserve the punishment of God. We deserve his punishment and his punishment that he's going to meet out to everyone who has sinned is eternal death. It's hell. This is the good news, though. Whenever you and I look at the empty cross, it's a reminder of God's promises that you and I can be forgiven. That sin that we've committed, it can be forgiven. On that cross, you see Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. In other words, where it says the wages of sin is death, in other words, the penalty for sin is death, Jesus went ahead and paid that penalty in advance for our lives. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves us so much that even while we were sinners, He sends His own Son to pay the penalty for our sin. You see, it was on that cross that Jesus offered His absolute perfect sinless life on behalf of each one of us. On behalf of our sinful life, Jesus offers His sinless life. No one else could do it. Moses couldn't do it. He's as great a man as he was. Abraham, David, couldn't do it. We read about all of these other religions, Muhammad and Buddha. They, they couldn't do it either. You see, no one else has ever lived perfectly and then offered themselves their perfect life for our salvation. That's why the Bible says in Acts 4:12, it says, Nor is there any salvation, it, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, which we must be saved. See, whenever Jesus breathed his last breath, he cried out. He said, It's finished. It's finished. What he was saying is that penalty, the price that God demanded, had been paid. It's finished. The price has been paid. You see, on the cross, that empty cross, it was there that His blood was spilled out for you and I's salvation. Before Jesus died for us, our sin, our guilt, it was totally ours. But whenever Jesus went to the cross, then God could literally transfer our accounts, our sin, our guilt, to His Son, Jesus Christ. Because of that day, God could finally write across each one of our accounts. It's so neat whenever you pay something off whether it be a credit card, your mortgage, your car and you finally get that last bit of uh, mail from your creditor in the mail and it says paid in full. That's what Jesus Jesus did for us. He enabled God the Father to be able to write across our accounts to be able to write across that Account the accounts of sin and guilt, paid in full, forgiven. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I can now stand completely, totally forgiven before our God. So the first empty promise on Easter is that empty cross, empty of Jesus' body, but filled with the promise of forgiveness of sins. So let's go back to the ladies on their way to the tomb. Remember, they're just kind of stopped for a moment, gazing off into the distance of the horrible reminder of just days prior, their savior, Jesus Christ, was crucified on that rugged cross. So picture with me if you would. After they stopped for that moment to look at the cross, they continued on their way down the path. And as they go, there was probably a little bit of concern about who was going to move the stone for them. You see, they had good reason to be concerned. The stone probably weighed in excess of a couple of, ton- a couple of tons. It was huge. And not only that, but the Romans had sealed it so as that nobody would move it, and they were not going to move it without permission from somebody that was obviously higher up in the command than these, these Roman soldiers that were attending the tomb. But the ladies nevertheless went on, Even though they knew that there was going to be a great obstacle for them to get into the tomb and anoint Jesus' body. But as they continued down the path, now you got to get this, they're right about where the tomb is, and suddenly they literally began to feel the ground shake violently under their feet. Probably scared them to death. They looked at each other for what to do. (laughs) What do we do? What do we do? Where do we go? What's happening? But after a few moments, the shaking, shaking subsided, and things maybe would seem a little bit normal. They gather their composure, and they continue the last few yards to the tomb. And as they approach this tomb, they're probably still wondering a little bit about, man, what just happened, the ground shaking like it did. But whenever they arrive to the tomb, they see something that's literally hard to believe something they probably never expected. First of all, the soldiers are all out like lights. I mean, they are completely unconscious. Their bodies probably stacked all around the tomb, and they're out. The stone was protecting the entrance to the the tomb that had been been a barrier for anyone going inside the tomb. That stone, that two-ton stone, has literally been moved away from the opening. And man, last but not least, they look up, and indeed, an angel. It says, glowing like lightning is sitting on the stone. It's got to be an awesome sight. These women had to have been blown away. They're probably ready to run for the woods and would have, if not for the words of the angel. Let's look at them again. This is Matthew 28.5. It says, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. So immediately he begins to calm their fears. They just went through an earthquake. Now they have Roman soldiers all over the ground. They don't know if they're unconscious or if they're dead. The, ro- the stone has been rolled away. And here an angel sitting on the stone, his, he's glowing like lightning, And he speaks to them, hey, don't be afraid. I know why you're here. You seek Jesus who is crucified. But then he makes the announcement, Jesus has risen. He's alive. The tomb was empty. The tomb is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The empty tomb, as the as the ladies entered the tomb to see where Jesus's body had laid, he is no longer there. So here is this resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This empty tomb becomes the promise to every one of us that we too can be raised to eternal life. To those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, death is has lost its sting. It's no longer something to be feared because, you see, Jesus conquered death, and the reason he conquered death is so that death has no power over our lives. You see, that's the first thing that God told Adam and Eve. He says, don't mess with the tree in the garden because if you eat that fruit, you will die. And indeed, From them all the way to the generations that are alive on the face of this earth, we've all been experiencing death. Adam and Eve would have lived forever. They would have never died if they had not sinned. But you see, it's not just the physical death that Christ speaks about, but it is the spiritual death that is even more so than the the physical death. You see, what fear is there when we have the promise that one day, you and I are all going to live in heaven together. Those that accept Jesus Christ and walk into his presence and receive his forgiveness, we have this amazing promise because Jesus conquered death. We will live forever with him. Oh death, O oh death, where is your sting? Because of Jesus' resurrection, because of an empty tomb, there is no sting of death. Let me read you a little story. A father and son were traveling down a country road one afternoon in the spring when suddenly a bee flew in the window. Being deathly allergic to bee stings, the boy began to panic as the bee buzzed all around inside the car. Seeing the horror on his child's face, the father reached out and caught the bee in his hand. Soon he opened his hand and the bee began to buzz around once again. Again, the boy began to panic. The father reached over to his son and opened his hand, showing him the stinger still in his palm. He says, relax, son. I took the sting. The bee can't hurt you anymore. You see, the empty tomb is God's way of saying that to us. Relax. I've taken the sting of death, and death cannot hurt you anymore. So this morning... Why was the tomb empty? Because Jesus was alive, the angel said. He's risen. And the promise to us is that we too can live even if we die. Jesus was indeed taken off the cross. His body was lifeless. There was no heartbeat, there was no respiration. He was dead. He was wrapped in grave clothes and he was laid in the tomb. The stone was rolled against the opening. Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. The tomb is empty. He has risen. And you and I will also rise. We can live even if we have died. You see, that first Easter Sunday, as the women went to the grave, they had no idea what was about to happen. They were not yet aware of this wonderful promise of that day. You see, often, in the distance stood the empty cross, the promise that their sins would be forgiven, and the end of their journey was this empty tomb, the promise of eternal life. The promise that they discovered that day, you see, you and I have access to that promise as well. You see, we can know the freedom of forgiveness of sins. We can know the freedom of forgiveness of sins. We can know the promise of eternal life in heaven, and we can also know Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. So John Maxwell, a man that I became acquainted with many years ago, tells a story, and I've read this before, but it just is such a wonderful illustration. I want to read it again this morning. John, John Maxwell bought a blazer from a store named Nordstrom's. I don't believe they have this policy anymore, but used to. They had this crazy policy where they had returned things for any reason at all. So here's the story. About a year and a half ago, I bought a new navy blazer at Nordstrom. It was one of those cases you may have gone through where you buy an item of clothing, and the more you wear it, the more you realize you don't like it. My blazer wasn't the right color, and to make matters worse, it attracted lint like it was going out of style. After wearing it pretty regularly for six months or so, I stuck it in my closet and didn't wear it for a long time. Tucked away in the back of my mind all the while was the famous Nordstrom unconditional return policy. I thought, I've had this thing for a year and a half, I've worn it lots of times, and there's just no way they're going to take it back. About two weeks ago, I decided I had nothing to lose. I pulled the blazer out, threw 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 a lot of lint on it to make it look bad, and took it down to Nordstrom's men's department. I walked in, and immediately I felt nervous. I felt like I was about to pull a scam or some sort, but I played it straight. I walked right up to the first salesman. I saw and I gave him a little prepared speech. I said, I'm about to put your famous unconditional return policy to its ultimate test. I have this blazer here. I've worn it lots. I've had it for a year and a half, and I don't like it. It's the wrong color, and it tracks lint like it's going out of style, but I want to return this blazer for another blazer that I like. Then I stood there. I couldn't believe it. This guy with a big handlebar mustache just looked at me and shook his head. He said, for heaven's sake, what took you so long? Let's go find you a new blazer. Ten minutes later, I walked out with another blazer that was marked $75 more than I paid for the first one that I had bought. I was It was perfect for me, didn't cost me a penny. You see, in, in a small way, Nordstrom Department Store is a lot like God. They are willing to back up their promises. Too good to be true, you say, that I could have all of my sins forgiven. Too good to be true, you say, that I could live eternally in heaven with Jesus Christ. You might say, Pastor, you don't know me. I've done so many things wrong. I've been such a horrible person. It's just too good for me to believe that anybody could just completely and totally forgive me of all the bad that I've done. Remember this. God is willing to back up his promises. And we find two of them this Easter Sunday morning in the empty cross that tells us we can have our sins forgiven because Jesus took the penalty for our sins On himself and we have a second promise the empty tomb the empty tomb that tells us just as Jesus is going to live forever so shall we if we take advantage of what he's promised us you see I think at Easter more than any other time of the year we realize that God has made all sorts of outlandish promises so outlandish that some cannot even bring themselves to believe it could actually happen to them. Or can we? You see, I, 40 years ago, came to the altar in the front of a church in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and I took advantage of these two promises, first and foremost, that God would forgive me, and secondly, that I could live with him forever, eternally in heaven. This morning, we've heard about these two promises that God's made to us, the promise of forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life. And my question for each of you this morning is this, will you take God at his word? Will you take him at his word? Will you just for one moment believe that His promises are true and that His promises are for you. This is Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, that's what I did 40 years ago. I called on His name. I asked Him to forgive me. I asked Him to come into my life and be my Lord. I called on His name for eternal life. I called on His name for forgiveness, and indeed, I received it. You see, today, I'm not perfect. I still make lots of mistakes, but I will tell you this, I'm forgiven. Today, I'm on my way to heaven. Today, the Bible tells me that He's prepared a place for me, and one of these days, I'm gonna be there. I've taken advantage of these two promises that we've talked about this Easter Sunday morning. This morning, if you've never accepted God, you've never taken advantage of these promises, I will tell you, he's waiting for you. He's probably wondering, for heaven's sakes, what's taken you so long? Just like the promises at Nordstrom, what's taken you so long to take advantage of this unconditional promise that he makes to each of us. This morning, I will urge you, don't wait another day. Do it today. Do it today and you can know the joy of eternal life. You can know the joy of forgiveness of sins. It feels good to be right with God. This morning, if there's any of you that are tuning in, watching this, I I just urge you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord, right now, right where you're at. It makes no difference whether you're at home or you're in a church, or if you're walking down the side of a road, God is there and he can take you in his arms and love you like you've never been loved before, forgive you and assure you of eternal life. If you don't know God, if you're not right with God this morning, I urge you, reach out to him. I'm gonna pray a prayer and while I'm praying this morning, if you need Jesus to forgive you, if you need this eternal life we've talked about this morning, this resurrection life, reach out to him while I'm praying and just simply ask him to forgive you. Simply tell him that you believe he died and was raised from the dead and he did it all for you. Father, this morning I pray for anyone who is listening that is right there lord god in your presence in the midst of your loving arms lord your arms that are full of grace and so full of mercy lord i pray that through the power of your holy spirit you'll reach reach into their hearts and father if they call on your name lord i know i know lord you forgive and i know father that you totally restore and so father we put them in your hands today and we ask you god that as they reach out to you, Lord, they'll feel your overwhelming love, they'll recognize your unbelievable forgiveness, and they'll receive eternal life. Father, we believe for it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, if you've prayed that prayer with us, we're fixing to do something that is amazing, amazing thing that Christians get to do, and that is to receive communion. The Bible tells us that on the last day that Jesus was with his disciples, they gathered together in the upper room and they gathered together for a meal. And they were all seated beside Jesus and Jesus literally took the floor for a moment and he held up the bread. This is my bread, just to simply a symbol of what happened on that day. He held up the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. You see, this bread symbolizes all that Jesus went through on that day that he was crucified. From the very beginning, whenever his back was whipped, whenever the crowns of thorns was placed on his head, whenever he was nailed to the cross, everything that happened to Jesus's body that day, the Bible Bible tells us that his body was broken for us. And so in receiving communion, one of the things we do is we remember his death. We look back 2000 years ago and we remember what it is that he did for us, what it is that he purchased for us, this broken body of Jesus. It was all done for us. It was done for our healing. It was done for our forgiveness. It was done so that all the promises of God could be yes and amen to those who believe. And so this morning, as you have the bread where you're at, I'm going to pray and then we're going to receive this bread together. Father, I thank you that you sacrificed your son, Jesus, on the cross for our sins. I thank you, Lord, that this body was broken for us, that the the punishment that that was meted out to this body, so cruel, so inhumane, but it was all done so as that we might be recipients of all the things that Jesus bought for us through his body being so abused. So, Father, this morning we thank you and Jesus, indeed, we thank you for enduring, to enduring the punishment, for enduring the, 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 the horrible, horrible things that you endured on the cross for us. We thank you for this broken body in Jesus' name. So let's take the bread together. As his disciples had taken the bread, next Jesus held up the cup. And he said, this is my blood. This is a new covenant in my blood. You see, the Bible in many times had been covenants between God and man. But this one here is the last covenant. And it's the best covenant. Because it's literally sealed by the blood of the Son of the living God. This new covenant enables you and I to experience what it is I just preached about forgiveness of sins and eternal life because of the blood that was spilled out on Golgotha's hill you and I can have salvation and so this blood represents the cruelty and the inhumaneness of the cross but yet it represents something that is so wonderful and that is the blood of Jesus that washes away my sin so let's pray father We thank you that you allowed your son to endure the cross, that his blood was spilled, but all that blood was for our salvation. That blood was for all the promises that you have given to each of us. That blood is so as we can come to know you as Abba Father, that we can come to be the children of the Most High God. It's all through this blood. So Father, this morning in the name of Jesus, we reach out to you and we thank you for this blood. And Jesus, we thank you for allowing your blood to be spilled for us because you did it for us. So we remember your death. We remember the cruelty, but yet today we rejoice that we have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this blood in Jesus' name, amen. So let's receive the cup together. Hallelujah! Right there where you're at, I just encourage you to just lift up your voice and let's just just thank the Lord for the amazing thing that he has given us today in his broken body and his shed blood. Jesus, we thank you so much because through this broken body and through this shed blood, we can be yours. We can be your sons and daughters we can have the privileges oh god of being yours right rightly so lord god that you have called us joint heirs with jesus christ because of this blood and we thank you for it and this morning lord indeed we celebrate on this amazing day and it's it's different than usual lord god but lord we feel your presence and we know you're with us we celebrate this resurrection sunday We celebrate the death and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you so much for what it is that you've done for us. And today we take advantage of all the promises that are ours through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, thank you for it, amen. I hope that you have an amazing Resurrection Sunday. Spend it with your family love on them love on those that are around you and know this that because of the empty grave because of the empty cross you and i have access to the promises of almighty god god bless you stay safe and know we're coming back together eventually as a whole body of church a body of believers gathered together in a church building and it's going to be a good day amen God bless you.